Arizona House member-elect for District 13, Liz Harris, is calling for a new election in Arizona, despite the fact that she won her election in a landslide. The soon-to-be state representative outlining the, quote, clear signs of foul play and asking an obvious question. How can the Republican state treasurer receive more votes than a GOP candidate, Senate candidate, or gubernatorial candidate? On the conservative daily podcast, Harris yesterday expanded on the gravity of having a secure election. Now, Arizona, we got a lot of other things, water crises, border, fentanyl pouring through, all that type of stuff. But if we can't get the elections corrected, I don't say fixed because they're already fixed. But if we don't get the election methodology corrected, we're, we're not going to solve the problems that Arizona's having. It, we have to get good, honest politicians in there. And in her statement, Harris is asking other state legislators to join her in demanding a new election due to the machine malfunctions, chain of custody issues, and blatant mathematical impossibilities. In her own video posted yesterday to encourage her supporters, gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake said having her opponent oversee the election is like having the fox guard the hen house. Hey Arizona, Carrie Lake here. I wanted to reach out to you to let you know that I am still in this fight with you. For two years, I've been sounding the alarm about our broken election system here in Arizona. And this past week has confirmed everything we've been saying. When we called for Katie Hobbs to recuse herself over a year ago, they ridiculed us. It turns out we were right. The fox was guarding the hen house, and because of that, voters have been disenfranchised. But there is a reason for hope for some Republicans in Arizona getting a little encouragement on Friday morning. And the Attorney General's race GOP candidate Abe Hamaday is now within 200 votes of his opponent Chris Mays. Yet adding to the confusing disparity between the top of the ticket and down ballot races. And joining me now to discuss this is our resident elections expert, Mr. Mike Lindell himself. Mike, good to see you. Thanks for having me on, Emerald. Good to see you. Now, Mike, the whole country is concerned about what we're seeing in Arizona because, quite frankly, it'll have an effect on our entire country. And uh, if you've been listening, as you and I have been for weeks, to what Democrats were saying, we knew to expect this. And Carrie Lake said she and her team did as well. In fact, before I get your reaction, I want to take another listen to something else she said about her strategy, and then we'll get to uh, reaction. Listen. Yep. They said we were crazy. Well, it turns out we were right. On election day, nearly half of all polling locations had problems with tabulating machines and printers. Malfunctioning tabulation machines force voters to wait in line for hours to exercise their sacred right to vote. I talked to voters who waited in line for hours. One man told me he went to a location and there was a three-hour line because the tabulators weren't working. He drove 15 miles to another location and the printers weren't working. He drove another 15 miles and was finally able to cast his vote, but he's not sure it counted. Our election officials failed us miserably. What happened to Arizonans on election day is unforgivable. Tens of thousands of Maricopa County voters were disenfranchised. Now I am busy here collecting evidence and data. Rest assured, I have assembled the best and brightest legal team, and we are exploring every avenue to correct the many wrongs that have been done this past week. Now, Mike, I know you talked to Carrie Lake and her team, so what can you tell us about her strategy, her team? Are you feeling confident? Yeah, yes, and you know, 
for me, everybody, I hate to say this, but when on the morning of the election, when I heard all these machines going wacko, or they called them glitches, that's a blessing in disguise because actually they talked about it on Fox News and around the world said, um, you know, you have things, Mike Lindell's been vindicated and, and the people, election deniers have been vindicated about these machines. These machines, even if they, let's just say there was no crime involved. Why would you want these things that, that can screw up the, a whole election? You know, but there was crime involved. And I, I want to tell you, um, that there's a great plan. You have you have two things now. You have these machines that went bad on the front end. We have cyber evidence of a 37,000 vote flip on the Kerry Lake race on Thursday after the election. We have all the Edison data that came in in real time that came through on all the races, including uh, Fincham, Blake Masters. They all won. Okay, they all won. This is like we were watching from every angle, Emerald. Um, there's a great plan. I know, um, I believe it's, uh, no, I want to say November. It's later in November um, that you have five days after that, I know, to file um, uh, certain things. I'm hearing from lawyers. I'm not um, directly involved. I haven't got caught up to speed on what they're doing all with the law part, but I know they're gathering um, a lot of a lot of evidence now. We we're actually passing on the stuff we have from the cyber guys. But everybody, we remember we there's there's a website set up saveaznow.com. Save az or savearizonanow.com, either one. But we've got over five thousand reports came in uh, to, from people there that went, and a lot of them Emerald went to cure their ballot. And here's a perfect example. This one lady says she goes to cure her ballot. And they said, well, you haven't voted in uh, uh, since 2012. She says, yes, I vote in every election. Though they're not only finding that these machines or whatever they did, that they did it in other elections too. Um, I mean, it's a mess with these computers and machines, not just the crime that's being committed, but call them glitches, malfunctions, um, it's disgusting. One of the things too is uh, um, we have even there was even cases where they've uh, in other states where they uh, Democrats had went to bed and said they said they won and they wake up no you lost. So uh, this goes also in line with my uniparty globalist CCP uh, takeover here of our country. You go up to Michigan, they've completely wiped out the state of Michigan, stole the legislatures, everything. Mm -hmm. These other races with uh, from Oz, Oz really won. There's all these different races, but but they were caught. So and and but Arizona is the gateway to all of our to expose everything. Everybody, we have to we have to get Arizona. They need to do a new election. How about Liz Harris? What a what a how brave is that that she goes? Hey, I won, but I want a new election. Yeah. I mean. You know, because that's just the way it should be. Anybody out there that won, any Republican that won uh, in this country, in this race, should should demand a new election themselves in, in other states, too. I mean, that's what we have to have. Paper ballots hand counted. What a concept. Yeah, and they, they you know, it was Michigan. They also took Pennsylvania. I, in a moment, I want to ask you about any updates that you might have on Pennsylvania because I know you've been, you know, working and looking at that state as well, even though the candidates kind of haven't. They kind of 
conceded, conceded. and gave up. Um, but the question is, if you don't, if you have this kind of fix in Arizona, Pennsylvania, Michigan, those are key states of the path to victory for a presidential race. You were there the other night when Trump announced and he did talk about election integrity going forward and how to fix it. But that's after he's in power and can do something about it. You talk to Donald Trump all the time, Mike. Does he understand people have the same issues running in 2024? And does he have a concise strategy to combat the fraud and overcome it in his race? Well, I know I do. Um, I, you know, I, we, we've kind of, you know, <laughs> I've been, that's been my, uh, my whole thing is I, these machines and I've, you know, I've told him straight out that the, I, I really believe that we will be machine free by 2024. We have to be, or we lose our country. Um, I've been saying that to everyone, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, or whoever you are, your, your freedoms are gone. This is a, uh, this uniparty, uh, this attack by China, Emerald, a direct attack by China. And that was, and that was even vindicated and validated with the Koenig thing that came out of Michigan about a month ago. And now they're trying to cover that up. Oh yeah, I don't, you know, I guess we're going to drop the charges, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but we've got so much, um, you guys. We got if you go to DennisMontgomery.com, you should check that out. I own that that technology now. We just filed it, Emerald, in a Nevada court to release the get the data release that was under the gag order. Um, and one of the first part of the strategy is once we can take that, uh, those terabytes that I've had since uh, on January 9th of 2021, once we can take that and bring it to these these big lawsuits and get them bye-bye, these uh, Smartmatic, Dominion, all these lawsuits, and get rid of lawfare, and so people aren't scared to go to speak out and say, uh, and even legislatures to say, hey, we've got to, we, we need a new system, paper ballots, hand counted. Yeah. And I think we're going to get there. I mean, that's our, you got, we've got to, you know, or we have to. And I believe, and we've got a lot of cases that are going to go to the Supreme Court. One of them is already there that people don't talk about. Now, that's not about the machines, but it is there about all the other laws they're breaking where um, early voting, mail-in ballots, that these legis- that these se- um, crooked secretary of states just, just put into place, and they're not, they don't make the laws. The legislatures do. This happened blatantly in Michigan, but now they have a law there in Michigan that, uh, well, no, I mean, they took over the, the Democrats, say they cheated, took over all the, all the legislatures there. And, and then you skip over to Colorado, and in Colorado, the only one that can do an audit now is the Secretary of State. So when you when the dictators make the laws, we're turning into Venezuela one state at a time if we don't stop this now. Yeah, and we'll probably have to catch up on Pennsylvania next week because I know there's probably something coming there, right? And uh, yep. you mentioned Colorado. I do have to ask you real fast. Lauren Boebert technically is the winner now. It's an automatic recounts trigger. She says she's confident, but it takes this long to count. You know, I I don't know. Are you confident? We got like 20 seconds. I, I, you know, if they, if they let her win, it's if they let her win or not. You know, I, I'm serious because they do the way they do the rate, the recount in Colorado, they put the same thing back into the same machine. It should come out the same numbers, Emerald. So if the numbers are different, We'll see. Okay, then, you know, we better open up the machines. Yeah, so we can- we'll keep an eye on that. Thanks so much, yeah. much, Mike, for this update. We learn so much when you come on. Yep, thanks, everyone. 
Up next, we got independent journalist Ivory Hacker on Arizona, plus a man who went viral for his remarks before the Maricopa Board of Supervisors. After the break. needs to be nullified because of the problems. There's no other way to do this but to have another election, to completely scrap this. We need ballots that are paper. It needs to be counted in one day. Why were there ballots were 19-inch in inventory that were probably sent to Republican uh, locations that jammed the machines when he knew that it took 20-inch? It was packed house at the public Maricopa County Board of Supervisors meeting this week. This was the first public meeting since the midterm elections. People in Arizona County were uh, in this Arizona County were eager to give the board a piece of their minds. A poll watcher told the county board of supervisors about the thousands of ballots in box number three, which left more questions than answers. The discrepancy in the number of physical ballots that I had, uh, they came from somewhere. We had physically had them. They were not voters that walked in and checked in. We had 200 more ballots than voters that checked in. But one man's public comments stood above the rest. You might remember him from a San Diego, California Board of Supervisors meeting. Take a listen to Matt Baker. Let me ask you, if you took your life savings to a bank and the teller put them in a machine and the machine kicked out one out of four of your bills and the teller said, don't worry, we'll put them in box three over here and we'll let you know how many were in there later. We'll send them off to a separate location and someone will be sure to get back to you and tell you how much money you have. Would you be okay with that? No, you would not be okay with that. Now ask yourself the question, which is more valuable, your vote or your money? Now ask a lobbyist that same question. Now ask a campaign manager that question. Now ask Mark Zuckerberg that question, which is more valuable, your money or your vote or your country? Matt's right. All eyes are on Maricopa County, and there's good reason for that. Maricopa County is Arizona's most populous county. This means if you want to win the gubernatorial race, you have to win Maricopa County. Or dare I say, cheat to win in Maricopa County. Here are just a few red flags. First off, Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richer and Supervisor Chairman Bill Gates launched a PAC in 2021 to stop MAGA candidates. It's called Pro-Democracy Republicans of Arizona. One of its stated goals is to, quote, acknowledge the validity of the 2020 election and condemn the events of January the 6th, 2021 as a terrible result of the lies told about the November election. Next, on election day, about half of polling places had problems. One Arizona man described his struggle to vote in person. And the other tabulator, kept rejecting everyone's votes. I saw a lot of people whose second and third votes did not get through. And when I left, there were still probably a block and a half or two blocks of people waiting in line. And lastly, a group called We the, the People USA Alliance released this shocking video of people driving up to the Dropbox and depositing stacks of ballots at a time. Let's welcome in independent journalist Ivory Hecker back to the absolute truth. Ivory, you know, 
I, I was watching one of your uh, reports, which you put on YouTube, and people can follow you on YouTube to keep up with your reporting, which is just fantastic. But the title of it cracked me up. You said, WTF is going on in Arizona. And I thought that was, honestly, the simplest and most appropriate way you could put it. It made me chuckle, but it's so true. So let me ask you, because you've been really watching this closely, what are the abnormalities? Which of the abnormalities really sticks out the most to you that you think had the biggest effect? Well, there's a few things, but one of the strange things going on, if you look at the Secretary of State's office official election results so far, and you look at the vote counts for other candidates in the state of Arizona, um, you know, random, uh, random uh, positions like state mine inspector. Why does the state mine inspector have more votes than Carrie Lake? State mine inspector got 1.6 million votes as the Republican candidate. The um, state treasurer got 1.3 million votes as the Republican candidate. Yet Carrie Lake for governor only got 1.2 million votes. Now, typically, uh, the the most prominent. Uh, positions like governor and a senator are what people go to the polls to vote for. And then they might vote party line and check off other things too. But typically it's those big positions like senator and governor that get the big votes. Yet these, these people like state mine inspector or state treasurer, they're getting more votes than Carrie Lake. Um, so you're wondering why uh, she, you know, these people also got more votes than, um, uh, Katie Hobbs, her opponent. Now, the other strange thing, you know, is that why is the person running the election winning the election? I mean, why are you running the election when you're also um, running for office? There's a conflict of interest there. That is like the coach from the opposing team also playing the role of referee. (laughs) Uh, And Carrie Lake asks. Well, and it's it's also like the booster club playing referee. I I think the conflict of interest in these Arizona elections are just absolutely disqualifying. I don't think that the PAC that Stephen Richer had and his ties to that is getting enough attention because he is the, he's the county, uh, county recorder and he has a PAC to try to prevent Trump aligned candidates from winning office. It's insane. The levels of conflict of interest. And it's just interesting that Katie Hobbs, the one running the election, her machine of choice was Dominion. Um, they're still using the Dominion machines after, you know, all those, all the heat those machines took two years ago. Those are the same, that's the same machine company that the Texas Secretary of State's office banned from use in the state of Texas um, in, at the end of 2019. Um, they said going into this 2020 election, we cannot have dominion because according to the Texas Secretary of State's office, their investigators looked at, looked at the machines, saw that they had these vulnerabilities that could compromise your vote. Dominion machines were banned from use in the state of Texas. Why are the, they the machine of choice in the state of Arizona uh, when the woman making the decision on which machines to use is also the woman running for governor, the woman who almost, you know, barely campaigned, hid in her, hid in her basement and somehow won.
Um, so it's bizarre. Uh, the, there was a board of supervisors meeting this week uh, for Maricopa County, and they allowed about two, thousand, uh, two dozen members of the public to testify. Uh, they all testified on election anomalies. Um, there were poll workers who, who described strange situations. Um, one woman said that at end of day, there were 200 more ballots cast than people, voters who had checked in at her precinct. It was inexplicable and strange. Um, another poll worker said that when there, there were issues with the tabulation, those votes actually went into a trash bag that was allegedly being taken mm -hmm. to account instead of into a secure box the legal way. So a lot of different anomalies. Now Carrie Lake is, you know, she came out yesterday saying we're not going to back down. And now she's using her Instagram to just post testimony after testimony from voters, just their video testimonies describing their own anomalies. There's so many. Yeah, there are. And we just had Matt Baker right before you, who is his, his video, his testimony at the uh, Board of Supervisor meeting has gone viral. But like you said, there are so many. I've never seen such overwhelming uh, speaking out in regards to an election. There's the calls for this election to not just a, a recount or a hand audit, but a total do over. And we've been kind of talking about this with everyone so far. Do you think there's enough in, in your coverage? Do you think there's enough support on the ground? for there to be an actual re-election do-over. There's know a, that, that would get a lot of backlash. For sure. I know there's a huge number of members of the public who want that. I mean, there may be, it, it, it could still go to a recount because right now total votes counted in Arizona are 99.5% and Katie Hobbs is only beating Carrie Lake by 16,000 votes. So if those last few votes yep. go to Carrie Lake, it could be close enough to trigger the recount at least. But with all the anomalies, you, you would think that there would be a, a court, a judge that would look at this case and say, you, the voters deserve to know for sure whether every vote counted. Um, you know, And Carrie, Carrie Lake highlighted that on uh, Twitter this week that in Berlin, uh, the court system in Berlin did that for their voters in Germany um, said, we're going to yeah. redo this election. Why hasn't that happened in, in America? 2020, there were opportunities for that to happen and it did not. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I think there's a clear case, uh, if, even if you didn't want to get into some of the other stuff on the clear voter suppression, where definitely people, a lot of people waited in line for hours, but you know that there are lots of people who could not, that their time constraints just would not have allowed that and they didn't get a vote, get their voices heard. And it's, you know, clear uh, disenfranchising the voters. Thank you, Ivory Hacker. I want to let people know that they can learn more about your reporting and, and keep up with it at ivoryhacker.com and on your YouTube channel. Good to see you, Ivory. Thanks for being here. Good to see you. Up next, House Republicans are promising to investigate the Biden family's alleged corruption. But we've heard this before. How much can we really expect to come from this? The Biden family's business dealings implicate a wide range of criminality from human trafficking to potential violations of the Constitution. In the 118th Congress, this committee will evaluate the status of Joe Biden's relationship with his family's foreign partners and whether he is a president who is compromised or swayed by foreign dollars and influence. I want to be clear. 
This is an investigation of Joe Biden. That is the chair of the House Oversight Committee, Congressman James Comer, announcing the launch of an investigation into President Joe Biden. Comer says whistleblowers have come forward and provided him with details that suggest Hunter Biden and his relatives flourished and became millionaires simply by offering access to the family. The question is, how much did the big guy gain from Hunter's alleged business dealings? The White House's counsel is responding to that question. The spokesman for the White House counsel saying, quote, instead of working with President Biden to address issues important to the American people, like lower costs, congressional Republicans' top priority is to go after President Biden with politically motivated attacks, chock full of long debunked conspiracy theories. Hmm. Conspiracy theory. None of them have been debunked. Well, that's an interesting approach considering most stories flagged by the administration as conspiracy theories have turned out to be true. Congressman Byron Donalds, who sits on the House Oversight Committee, issued this warning to the president saying, quote, Joe Biden once said on a hot mic that no one S with a Biden. Joe, I have news for you. Republicans now have the gavels. Accountability is coming and your last name won't change that. Up next, red flags coming out of New Mexico's election, reports of voter intimidation and ballot stuffing being made. We did discuss from a report on the ground in New Mexico. Next. Let's head to New Mexico. Some people in New Mexico are calling for thorough investigations into alleged ballot stuffing, voter intimidation, and machine manipulation. Now, according to new documents, poll workers gave voters a hard time about ballot marking devices they used, even though voters are technically allowed to use their pen. According to the documents, election worker trainees reported that the Otero County clerk, Robin Holmes, directed them to take down names of anyone that used their own marking device and then refer them to the district attorney. This was her response. The pens that we provide are the felt tip pens, of which they dry very quickly as to not get the residue on the rollers when they go through the tabulator. Um, there are people that do want to use the blue pen, um, which is fine if it would be a felt tip. That would be fine because it would dry quicker. Now, if they are going to use the ballpoint pen or any of the gel pens, then they may have to wait while that ballot dries before they can put it in the tabulator. And over in Torrance County, officers allegedly were sent twice on election day to a polling place where there was a line of people waiting to vote. The officers encouraged voters to leave and find another polling place without a line. However, some people reportedly said they felt this suggestion was more of an order since it came from a working police officer. And what's even more concerning is what happened in New Mexico's first and second con congressional districts. At about 10.30 at night on November the 9th, thousands of votes were removed from the overall totals for both races. There were large ballot injections that occurred, as you can see, in each of these races on election night. In all cases, the margin between the two candidates were narrowing prior to the injection, only to widen Significantly following the injection, now concerned voters are calling for an investigation and want a full recount in the event any anomalies are found. And joining me now is Erin Clements. She's a citizen investigator based in New Mexico. She's joined us before to explain some of the issues they found with machine counts there. Erin, uh, you and your husband work together to educate the public on election integrity and the issues with voting machines. So we're very glad to have you 
join us to tell us what happened in New Mexico because we've been so focused on Arizona and Pennsylvania, we haven't even gotten to look at some of the other states, but it's important to do so. There's so much here. So walk us through these different instances of potential, I guess you would say, disenfranchising of the voters on different levels. Thank you, Emerald. It's great to be here. Um, New Mexico has been a place where we've had a, a lot of investigation into our 2020 election. We found a lot of anomalies. We've had a foremost national expert look into it, and there's a lot of red flags here. And then um, in, well, a, about a month ago, Torrance County did an audit of their primary election, and they found massive machine manipulation. So we had a lot of reason in this cycle for commissioners to take extra care. Voters themselves are very concerned, and they've been asking our elected officials for months now, for you know almost two years, to do something about these anomalies we're finding, the vulnerabilities, to take precaution. Um, and really, our officials have refused to do so. We've had a handful of commissioners stand up and say they want something done, and they've been met with swift retribution from our Secretary of State and even the judicial system. So um, this cycle, voters knew that they're going to have very little support. Um, and so we did what little we could do to try to protect our vote. And one of those things was to use a blue pen, um, as we're allowed to do very clearly in the Secretary of State's own guidance documents that you can use any writing device that you you choose. She even said red pen was okay, which is, you know, a, not what we wanted to do because the tabulators aren't even able to read red. But um, so we thought that would be okay. The reason we want to use blue is that we have internal printers and in all of our tabulators across the state. So when you put your ballot in, you, there's really no assurance that it's not getting printed on by the programming inside the computer. In fact, we found a couple of ballots in Donianic County where it looked like that had happened. And so we wanted to use blue pens and we were very surprised um, at the pushback we got from ele election officials. The county clerk in, in Otero County during a poll worker training, it's called election school. She said, if you if you see anyone using a blue pen, write down their name and I will refer them to the district attorney, which is um, actually explicitly a crime in our statutes to mislead voters as to what they're allowed to do when they're casting a ballot. Um, and she later denied doing that. She told um, the county commissioners that it was just a joke, but we actually have a group of poll workers who were there who are preparing an affidavit um, to, to testify that it was absolutely not a joke. It was a direction from the county clerk. And then, of course, as you mentioned, in Torrance County, there were police officers showing up at, at places that had long lines and suggesting that those voters go somewhere else, um, which is again, a violation. It's intimidation um, of, of voters. And it's if it had happened to Democrats, I'm sure there would have been swift uh, retribution. It would have been in the media. But since it was against conservatives, we have heard very little about it. In Doniana County, where I live, uh, Polwark actually cussed out a, a voter who had his blue pen with him uh, to, to cast his ballot. That's just shocking to me to think that you would have that kind of intimidation on multiple levels. And when I heard the Otero clerk try to explain the rationale between behind using the felt tip pens that she wanted to provide to voters rather than them using their own blue ballpoint pens, you could listen to her explain it and it just didn't add up. It didn't make sense. 
No, in fact, a clerk in another county in Chavez County had ordered blue felt tip pens because of this. She's actually probably one of the only clerks listening to voters and trying to alleviate concern. And she had ordered blue felt tip pens prior to the start of early voting. And Dominion actually came to her and said, we want you to use black. So that doesn't it doesn't make sense because Dominion is directing the clerks what to do, as well as our secretary of state, who is is just immune to hearing any concerns from clerks or citizens. Also very concerning is the graph, the data you showed in the race where there's an injection of ballots and then they clearly took away ballots. Has there been any explanation from election officials related to why there would be, you shouldn't be losing. There shouldn't be at any point, especially near the end of the race that you would have a drop off of ballots. Any explanation? There has been no explanation, and these graphs were provided to every county clerk, every county commissioner across the state. Not one of them has uh, deigned to respond to us and explain what what's going on here. Um, and it's it's so concerning that um, really all we were asking county commissions is because of this, because of these election, this is all the data we have right now, but there's big, big anomalies in it. Would you take a little bit extra time when you're certifying your county's election actually go through the election records, which we call election returns. It's statutory that they're actually allowed to review multiple parts of the election. And it probably could go so far as to actually re reviewing the ballots themselves, doing a hand count um, because of this. And and none of them have, have answered us. We've had a handful of commissioners um, vote no on certification um, because they are listening, but just the vast majority have been so intimidated by our secretary of state who has actually threatened them mm -hmm. with prosecution and jail time if they if they delay their certification if they she's lied to them about what they're allowed to ask for and so they're all just really afraid of her well Aaron Clemens if you all get any answers please let us know so we can pass those on to the viewers and we'd like to keep up uh, with the developments in New Mexico as they go along and talk more about that Secretary of State in the future. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you, Emerald. Appreciate it. NBC's national reporter Miguel Almaguer has been a loyal corporate news propagandist throughout the years. That's why the news of his suspension has truly shocked the media world since all Miguel did was report the details behind the Paul Pelosi assault story. Miguel's been silent on social media since November the 3rd. NBC News executives were so outraged by his report that they quickly scrubbed it from the internet. But we found it. How horrific was it? Well, we'll let you decide for yourself. After a knock and announce, the front door was opened by Mr. Pelosi. The 82-year-old did not immediately declare an emergency or tried to leave his home, but instead began walking several feet back into the foyer toward the assailant and away from police. It's unclear if the 82-year-old was already injured or what his mental state was, say sources. According to court documents, when the officer asked what was going on, defendant smiled and said everything's good but instantaneously a struggle ensued as police clearly saw David DePap strike Paul Pelosi in the head with a hammer. Now those details though they sound rather benign but very specific and detailed in that report 
earned NBC News immediate redaction. The media outlet has not offered an explanation as to why. Pelosi's alleged attacker has pleaded not guilty to those allegations. But then there's this, a reporter named Big, uh, Bigad Shaban at NBC News Bay Area, which is a station owned and operated by NBC News, published this report on Wednesday. It talks about how police body camera footage confirms Paul Pelosi opened the door with his left hand for police, which contradicts court documents from the Department of Justice. But the reporter also called questions about this conspiracy theory several times, suggesting people sh should maybe overlook it. Who opened the door that night when San Francisco police arrived to the Pelosi house? Now, the Department of Justice says the two officers opened the door. That's according to a federal indictment filed earlier this week. But the San Francisco District Attorney's Office, in another court document that was filed earlier this month, said Mr. Pelosi opened the door with his left hand. Does it really even matter whether he opened the door or the guy opened the door or the police opened the door? I mean, how does that change the scenario? if you move away just conspiracy theories. Yeah, I mean, the reality is right now, Jess, we have no reason to believe that it matters at all. And that's why our source who has seen the police body cam video <laughs> can't understand why federal investigators wrote that officers opened the door because they say the video shows officers didn't. But when two police agencies give slightly different accounts of what happened in this kind of high profile case like this one, it just feeds into conspiracy theories. And that's what we're seeing right now. Wow, the spin is great with those ones. Why does it matter at all? Well, maybe Jen LeVillar can explain to us why it matters. She's a managing <laughs> editor of Red State and also happens to be California-based. Good to see you, Jen. You too. You know, the, the NBC News reporter kind of reminds me of just Hillary. Just those two is. Yeah, I was like, what does it matter anyway? <laughs> Benghazi kind of. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> They're always saying, what, why does it matter when it's something that really does matter? You know, <laughs> it matters because we need to be able to take what these people say. If they can't get the story straight on a small detail like this, then how can we believe what they're saying about anything else? And if he could open the door, then obviously uh, David DePap was allowing him to open the door, which kind of goes against everything that uh, was being said about how he was being held hostage by this guy. Yeah, it, it just changes the narrative entirely. Well, it's a small detail that is key to the dynamic, what the dynamic was between the suspect and the victim. And clearly there are people, uh, you know, we're, this is only speculation, but I know how this goes, having worked in corporate media. The report comes right. out, they automatically get a call, NBC execs go nuts. They pull the report and then there's an immediate scapegoat. And I know that, you know, industry standard is that someone like Miguel would not be able to come to his own defense, most likely. Um, mm -hmm. And he yep. would not be able to share the evidence, even if he had solid evidence that he could have given his editor or execs, they could not look at it. So he's sort of in this catch-22. Now, let me ask you, Jen, are other local reporters, because sometimes local reporters are better than national, as we know. Right. Um, have they other local reporters backed this up? I, I mean, it hasn't been taken down from that website. And this it was actually late Tuesday, I believe, when it was first uh, added to the website. And then uh, it was 
kept it was uh, amended, I guess, on Wednesday, but not taken down in any way. And as we saw that exchange between the two on air just that you just showed, they don't think it's a big deal. So there's also a disconnect, you know, just like there's the DOJ San Francisco disconnect within the story. There's the local versus the national reporter disconnect. The locals are going, this isn't a big deal. Why feed into a conspiracy theory as they're labeling it uh, when you can just be, be, be open about it? So there's obviously behind the scenes, I would love to be on a call between the NBC Bay Area people and NBC National because you know there has to be something going on now that this discrepancy has been pointed out. Well, and one thing that could clear it up is if that the the body cam footage was released to more outlets like ours, who has put in a freedom of information request to try to retrieve that, only to be rebuffed. Right. We've also put in you know, that the very day of the attack, we put in a freedom of information request for that uh, video. Just show the body cam video. I mean, if people are just only in their underwear, then, you know put some blurring <laughs> tool over it so we're not looking at their whole body. But let us see what happened. That's the only way that you get these, quote, conspiracy theories to go away is by just giving us the information. That's all we want is transparency and the truth. Absolutely. We were reported as we saw it. Now, real quick, we only have a minute, but I do want to get to these California races. I mean, we're, we're 10 days out from the midterms election, midterm elections, and there's still several races in California that have yet to be called. Some of those involve Republican candidates. What we're seeing statistically is when it takes this long, this long to count around 70% of the time, it's going to the Democrat candidate. Is there a cause for concern for these Republicans in these districts yet to be called in your state? As far as the, the House districts, I don't think so. Luckily, two of the, the later called uh, races were Kevin Kiley and Mike Garcia, both Republican victories. I have every confidence that David Daldeo is going to pull out his race. And um, even Adam Gray, that that's going to be a win for the Republicans. Great. Yeah, I know they're, uh, Republicans are getting a little bit antsy when they see that it takes so long to call the races, particularly in a state like California, where, you know, there, there's been questions. Yeah, yeah. And they had to wait until a week after Election Day to get the last straggling in mail ballots because they have seven days after. So some of the races, they just really had to make sure that there weren't a lot more ballots out there, thankfully, you know, especially for Mike Garcia, who only won by 333 votes in 2020, but pulled out a nine-point win this time over the same challenger. It was a decisive victory. Yeah, that's that's a big game for Mike Garcia. Good to see you, Jen Venlar, Red Thank State, you. one of my go-tos for getting my news. Thank you so much, Jen. Thanks. Up next, it was another great week on the absolute truth. Great, tumultuous, tiring, but we had some great guests. So we'll relive it after the break. It's been somewhat of a tumultuous week in American history, but we were right there with you through it all, bringing you, you the absolute truth. Let's take a look back. You can't basically say, we're gonna just walk in and play footsie with these people, you have to use the same tools that they used. And and when you do that, we can we can come off better, we can get some of our policies in, and we can hopefully stop some of the ridiculous anti-American policies of this uh, regime. He was asked about our election mm -hmm. system, and he said, 
oh, we can't have this, you know, counting for days and days after the election. Then why did you rubber stamp a fraudulent result? If that's not perfectly fine, what we're seeing now in 2022, why was it okay in 2020, Mike Pence? Some of the tabulations in, uh, in provincial districts uh, and uh, electoral uh, administrative zones have shown that there were zero votes for Bolsonaro. And there are thousands of videos floating around the internet of people from those uh, jurisdictions saying, no, no, I voted for, for Bolsonaro. So people are feeling widely disenfranchised. They're taking to the streets. And I actually think this will end up with some sort of martial law and the military coming in and enforcing action against this out of control court. We have an issue with the story, right? They didn't put the puzzle pieces together in the Republican Party. We have an issue of tenacity. Do, do these Republicans really believe that our country is in trouble or are we dealing with the uniparty here? But we also have a voter quality issue as well. I would have thought our voters would have learned a very valuable lesson coming out of these past two years, but apparently they didn't. And it just shows that the people who swung the hardest for Republicans were really moms and dads. People who were, had a lot of anxiety over what their kids were being learning. People reorganize their entire life around their children. It's so important that they get the best education. So I think in suburban districts where we've lost a lot of ground, this is the area we can pick it up in. It's really up to all of us to get involved and do the work on the ground level. It can't just be President Trump. He, he's going to lead this movement and he's going to do everything possible he can. He's going to fight. But we are seeing that already on the ground. We're seeing people filing lawsuits. They're not giving up. They're doing open records requests. They're getting transparency on this. And the more transparency, I think the more momentum to turn this around. And I think we will turn this around before election day in 2024. And with that, we end our week, get some rest this weekend, have a wonderful weekend, and be ready to join us back on Monday where we get more absolute truth.